the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home on 101.5 Word FM. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon. Greetings. Thanks for coming along on a sunny Thursday afternoon. I'm feeling much better. Kath is back. Hey, Kath. Good to see you. Hey, you guys. Very, very nice. Nice to be back. And I bring good news. Yes. Well, good news if you're a five-year-old. Which is? That if you're a five-year-old, new research shows that you laugh 300 times a day. (laughs) Wow. That's no surprise. If you've ever spent any quality time with a five-year-old, you know it's a laugh riot. I mean, is that funny? Like, that's a lot of laughing. 300 times. 300 times. There's only 24 hours in a day, and usually if you're five, you're sleeping about 12 of them. Yeah, yeah. You think a day would be a little shorter. So you're packing a lot of laughs into Into a 12-hour period. Very, very nice. Yeah. So So a five-year-old laughs how many? 300 times a day. Wow. How about somebody in middle age? This is where it gets a little sad. Uh Oh. 40-year-olds? Yeah. The same study shows? They laugh four times a day. Four? Four? Oh, four. that's so harsh. Oh, it's so brutal. What Mike, happens you're, Mike, to you're us? right on the verge of hitting your four times I a know, day. I don't like that. No, he laughs a lot. Four times a day? Mike laughs a lot. I feel like I laugh a lot. Oh, yeah. you do, yeah. Mike how? laughs an awful lot. I don't know how many times a day I do, but... No, no. Even in the course of our show, when, you know, there's a glass wall I mean, between it depends, us... It depends on the quality of the show. Yeah. <laughs> see, look, <laughs> I see I see Mike laughing all the time yeah. in the studio. Mm-hmm. Not at, not not for us, but at us. Well, sure. Pre- whatever whatever it takes. Yeah, yeah. It's easy. So wait. So then, what does that mean? So then, if a 40-year-old is laughing four times... It doesn't say what it means. All it is is an assessment. Okay. It's up to you to figure out to what figure it, it out. means. Right, yeah. Right. yeah, there was absolutely no analysis with it. It was just strictly numbers. I wonder, so scientifically, was there is there something like a laugh tracker that you, know, you put on your body that measures respiration or breath so that they can identify that well, as I don't a know laugh? To, I don't know what to tell you there, John. I wonder. I would I think mean, there'd be something that would identify, you know, like you're wearing your Fitbit or something. Right. There's a laugh bit. Is there any, well, you were a Fitbit. Is there any laugh, I'm like tracking section? Oh, you've taken it off? Well, you know... <laughs> I have this taken happened, it. Like when I left here, you were wearing it. What's well, happening? Well, I took it off because I was in sort of such despair in the limited amount of steps I was taking per day. Oh, yeah. That's exactly why I never got one. Well, I figured once the weather changes and I'm back to being more physically active, then I'll put it back on again. But right now, I'd be like, you know, 300 steps right. a day or something. Some ridiculous, well, not 300, right. but you know what I'm I mean, saying. Now, the people who are designing it, I mean, that's the idea. That to you motivate you for more right, steps. Right. But it's not working with you. You've just rejected it in abject well, despair. My day's pretty much set right now. You know, you wake yes. up, you get ready to go, you go into work, you come back and, you, you know. Laugh, you laugh four times and it's over. <laughs> that's it. That's all we got. Thanks for joining us for the ride home with John and Gabby. Yes. Fewer steps, fewer laughs. We commit to that every day. Mm-hmm. Four times a day. 
That's really sad. I have a hard time believing so that. So what happens like when you're 50? Like it didn't have any yeah, right. other – there were no other ages that were tracked. They did five-year-olds and 40-year-olds. Really? Okay. Now, uh, I read this last week and uh, I don't know where I read it or the thread. But in the article that I read, they said the happiest points in your life are when you are 16 years of age mm-hmm. and when you're 70 years of age. So you would think if you were 16, you were laughing a lot. Okay. Right? And at 70, all those cares and responsibilities of, you know, moving the moving the life forward, that's all slipped away hopefully, and so you're freer to laugh. I don't know. I, I don't know, know what either. it all means. I just I really would hope that we would strive to laugh more than four times a day. Right. And what about the nature and the quality of the laugh? Because what if you laughed cynically all day long. Oh, that's terrible. Right? I know exactly what you mean. Right. <laughs> and that is not a laugh. No, that not. is, You know what that is? It's poison. It's a sneer. <laughs> yes. Your sneer laugh. Yeah, I can't. Uh-huh. That right, is right. just... That's <laughs> what everybody on Twitter appears to do on a daily, <laughs> even hourly basis. Right. Yeah, there is that. The quality, the nature of the quality of your, your laugh. You want a good laugh, a pure laugh. You really do. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what we're going for, right? Right, right. Okay, so if you know a five-year-old, this would be a perfect time to pay attention to what they're doing oh. because apparently they are having one heck of a good time. Wouldn't it be nice if there was like a daycare in this building and then you could just kind of stop by and hang out with five-year-olds you know, for a couple of minutes, catch a virus, and then go out and do, <laughs> <laughs> then go out and do your work. <laughs> okay, now you're you're upset that you're not getting ten thousand steps, and like you're going to show up at the daycare and yeah. start to like hang out with the hang, kindergartners? just to hang out with all that joy. Yeah, you know, I don't once think a that's year, I go out here to the, to the local school here, and uh, I do Dr. Seuss, St. Catherine, St. Catherine's. Mm-hmm. It's a fab, and I show up and I read uh, one fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish. I think it's every March. I have not yet received my invitation. I'm not going to. Just want to put oh, that out might there. Be, might be a thing he's done in the past, Maybe but so. not currently. I've been doing that every year for a long time. But you know, to sit in with a bunch of kindergartners, they're basically five years old. Right? They are exactly. Are you, a, they're either five or six. That's usually. a blast. It's a great. It's one of the highlights of my year. Right. Anyway, as, just as well it should be. Yeah. So. All right. Well, keep your laughing going because right. it's apparently very good for you. Nice. Use your local five-year-old as a model. Coming up next, Keith Condrich, the uh, Foundation of Hope. We're going to talk about a mentoring program with local state correctional institutions. Pop culture is infatuated with the concept of love. But the popular view of love is radically different from the love God calls you to. Learn the differences and how to love others as you should, as Christ would want you to. When John MacArthur continues his classic study titled, The Greatest of These, here on Grace to You. Tomorrow morning at 7 on 101.5 WORD. If your family depends on your income and something happened to you, what would happen to them? You need life insurance, and SelectQuote can help you get it at a price you can afford. SelectQuote found Jacob, 40, who's in excellent health, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for only $19 a month. Not in perfect health? Don't worry. SelectQuote found Tanya, 40, who has type 2 diabetes, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for only $32 a month. We shop companies like Protective, Prudential, American General, and others to find you the company with the best rates. Give your family the security they need at a price you can afford. For your free quote, call 1-800-880-7474. That's 1-800-880-7474. Or go to selectquote.com. That's 1-800-880-7474. SelectQuote. We shop, you save. 
Get full details on the example policies at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your premium could vary depending on your health, issuing company, and other factors. Not available in all states. If you'd like a smartphone that's really smart, download the OnePlace.com app, the app that will inspire your faith daily and provide answers to the biggest questions of all. OnePlace lets you download your favorite pastor's programs and listen even offline or in airplane mode with easy connections to your Bluetooth speaker or dashboard. To download your free OnePlace app, visit the iTunes App Store or the Google Play Store for your Android device and search for OnePlace. That's OnePlace. From executive producers Tim Tebow and Robbie Tebow comes Run the Race. Two brothers share an unbreakable bond, but life's unexpected adversities put their future in question. It's all part of his plan, right? You're not the first person to wrestle with his faith. When you lose your way, how do you find hope? Why is this so hard? God does love you. He loves you like crazy. Run the race. Rated PG. Colonel Guidance suggested in theaters February 22nd. For tickets and showtimes, go to runtheracemovie.com. Most clubs you join require an initiation fee or a club membership. But not the Word FM discount shopping club. No, in our club, you save as much as half. That's right, 50% on gift certificates and items from local restaurants, health services, and much more. All from the comfort of your computer or smartphone. Log on now to wordfm.com slash shopping. And I'll see you at the club. Thank you. Hey, welcome back. Thanks for being with us. So what would it be like if you could imagine to spend three, five, 15, 20 years or more in lockup in a penitentiary and then come out and try to start fresh in your life? How how difficult of of a climb that must be to reestablish yourself in society with a job and with, you know, an education and with family and friends? Well, Keith Condrich is with us. Keith is um, the aftercare director of an organization called Foundation of Hope, and that's exactly what Keith is involved in, giving new life to men and women who've been incarcerated for many years. Keith, welcome to the show. Hi, John. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure, Keith. So talk to us about Foundation for Hope. Yeah, thanks. We're a nonprofit interfaith organization, so we work with folks from all different backgrounds and faith traditions, and our primary focus is to help incarcerated men and women uh, who are still in jail or prison, as well as those that have been released, uh, re-enter society, reclaim their lives, and help them to be successful moving forward. I see. Connecting with their families, connecting with their God, connecting with employment, housing, helping them, as our, as our name says, to have hope in the future and to really give them the tools that they need and the resources that they need to be successful so they don't end up back in jail. It's a tough job, right? I mean, you're talking to some guys and some women who've been uh, in a hard life. Yeah, you know, but, uh, you know, I've been here before. You, you know my career. I've been in social services 30-some years, and um, I've, I just see so so much positive uh, hope in what we do. I mean, it's, it's incredible on a daily basis to see men and women who have, you know, in many ways hit bottom and are just redeeming themselves, redeeming their lives and, and reconnecting and uh, it's powerful, powerful work to see uh, see God working in, in these folks. I bet it is. Yeah. So so then talk about it. You yourself 
go into what the Allegheny County Jail. Yeah, or so Foundation of Hope, um, we have four main components. So we have the chaplaincy, uh, Reverend Kimberly Greeway. I think she's been on the oh, show sure. here. She's the chaplain at the Allegheny County Jail, so she sees all of the chaplaincy services for everyone at the jail. Um, and then also we have Reverend Caitlin Worth, who's at the jail. She oversees a pre-release program, which is a <clears throat> special program that uh, inmates will select. Uh, we have a Hope Pod, it's called for the men, and then a program for women where they uh, uh, apply and they're, they're working on uh, life skills, social skills. They take a weekly class. I they see. have to take well, a final exam. So um, specifically a Hope Pod. So correct. the prisoners apply for this position to be part of this. And, and essentially it's a spiritual pod. Yeah, it's it's spiritual, but um, you know, it, you know, our, our primary goal is not to proselytize. Our primary goal is to help people connect with, um, again, their families, the community, uh, whatever faith tradition they might have. But the idea is to again give people hope that the, the jail is not the the be all and end all. It's not the it's not the end of your life. You know, um, you made a mistake. You you're dealing with some issues. You know, whether it's addiction, whether it's you know crime. You know, uh, a bad family situation, whatever that might be, but uh, that there's there's no reason to lose hope. And so we're trying to do that. So those are the two programs in the jail. And then outside, the program I run is, is the aftercare program. So when people get released, they come over to our office on the north side. Uh, we help them with housing, employment. Uh, you can imagine, especially if you've been locked away at a federal penitentiary, state penitentiary for years, you have no ID. Where do I go to get an ID? Mm-hmm. Driver's license, state ID. I can't get a job without an ID, right? So we work to try to remove those barriers that, that would prevent someone from being successful back in the community and to help people realize that you're not alone. You're not alone in this. There's a, there's a great network, especially here in you know, Allegheny County, Pittsburgh in particular, the, the social service network is so strong and, and so powerful, but people don't know always how to connect with that. I see. Right? So talk about being at ground zero. I mean, somebody who's literally, they open up the door, you walk out of prison. Some people have support systems, families and friends in place. Other people, they burned those bridges or people are gone. Yeah. Or, you know, can you imagine you come out, you have nothing, you have no clothing, you have no ID, you have no bank account. You know, what do you do? I can't imagine. And, and so... You know, if you don't connect with an organization like ours, your, your chances of uh, heading back to jail are, are, yeah. are pretty high, right? Because that's what you know. That's what you know, right? That's what you're familiar with. Keith, yep. what about the role of other prisoners, former prisoners? So, yeah, we have a, a great network of uh, men and women that have been through our program that uh, actually either support uh, one of the programs I want to talk mm-hmm. about is our mentoring program. So they serve as mentors. We have a Tuesday night support group, <clears throat> uh, Positive Initiatives to Reinforce Change, PERC it's called. Uh, to bring people together. So these are former uh, uh, incarcerated individuals. There's mentors. There's community business leaders, uh, you know, and church leaders, anybody from the community to support each other in, in that reentry. So it's, uh, it's an important and vital role uh, that, that uh, released individuals have and try to, you know, once they kind of get back on track, we rely very heavily on their stories and on their success to share that with others. I mean, there's, you know, I can sit here and tell people, you know, don't lose hope. There's all these great support systems. I've never been in jail. But when I have someone who's been in jail, you know, maybe spent 20 years in federal penitentiary or, or even six months at the county jail mm-hmm. talking about how they were able to move beyond that, you know, 
then there's such credibility and, and power in that. I see. Yeah. So with a mentoring program, obviously, you're always looking for people to step forward. Yeah, so we've got uh, many opportunities for people. If you're interested in mentoring, you know, kind of uh, especially for, for Word FM listeners, uh, and again, it's, we're not focused on proselytizing, but obviously there's that gospel mandate, sure. Matthew 25, That's 36, right? I was in prison and you visited mm-hmm. me, right? What better way to do that than through mentoring? So uh, we have a lot of opportunities. You can check out our website or give us a call um, within the Allegheny County Jail. So we have mentors, men and women that come in. You're matched with an inmate. And, uh, you know, we ask you to visit two or three times a, a month, uh, continue that relationship once that individual is released. So when they come out of prison, when they come out of jail, they have an opportunity to have someone in the community that's walking with them, that's really kind of there to help them, not so much dictate what to do, but to help them guide them. You know, all of us, I think, have had mentors in our lives that have given us advice. You know, how do I deal with, the, with relationship issues? How do I deal with an interview that's coming up and I'm nervous about it? How should I dress for that? What kind of questions should I anticipate? Um, you know, how do I reconnect with a, an adult child that I haven't seen in, in a while? Just those types of things that a mentor is there to walk with an individual to help him or her out. So we have a great training program uh, that, that mentors can go through. We offer that on a monthly basis. Uh, the only really stipulation is you have to be 21 and um, willing to uh, go through a, a – you have to go through a background check as well. But um, – the primary focus of a mentor is someone that's caring, that's willing to lend a, a, a you know, an ear, and, and willing to just be a support to people uh, with whatever gifts, talents, background you have. Uh, you know, our matching process takes into account you know, personalities, different traditions, sure. faith, faith background. You know, some of our mentees do want a strong faith background. They're interested in pursuing. Uh, their faith. So we will match you up with someone from that tradition. Um, other people, they're just more interested in, you know, how do I how do I get employed? How do I find a job? What do I need to do? Or how do I reconnect with my family? Interesting. So, I think this is really viable because often when we do talk about prison and prison ministry, people will contact us and say, uh, yeah, I want to be of service. I want to help somebody who's on mm-hmm. deep fringe here. So here's an opportunity with Foundation of Hope. The training program takes about how long, Keith? It's a couple hours on a Saturday. We offer it every, you know, once a month. And then uh, we do um, regular monthly support as well. So mentors can come together, uh, talk about their experience, support one another. I see. And uh, this is men and women mentors. Correct. Right. So that's for the Allegheny County Jail. Um, we do have mentoring opportunities with the state correctional institutions. So uh, like at Somerset, uh, Laurel Highlands, Pine Grove up near Indiana. It's a little bit of a haul. So any of your listeners that are out in those areas, uh, we're looking for people, and that's just for men only. But locally here uh, with the Allegheny County Jail, uh, we're looking for mentors. And, again, as I said, you can mentor in the in the jail as well as outside of the jail. So you could start a relationship with a person in the jail. That person gets released. You continue that relationship. But we also, you know, maybe you're not comfortable going into the jail at first. We do have individuals that have been released from the jail that uh, you can you can start a mentoring relationship with right here in the community as well. Right. So there's a lot of a lot of different opportunities depending on your your needs as well. I see. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Keith, for being yeah, here. Yeah, thank That's you. Keith this Ponder. is about information. Yeah, Aftercare Director of Foundation of Hope. Tell us how people can get in contact. Yeah. So uh, the easiest way is through our website, www.foundationofhope.org. Okay. Uh, I know that's on your Facebook page and, and stuff. And then uh, our phone number is 412-321-3343. 412-321-3343. Wonderful. Okay. So 
to make prison ministry a, a point of focus in your life, Foundation of Hope, foundationofhope.org. Thanks, Keith. Thanks. Take a quick break. Come back. we got lots more ahead. Stick around. It's the, uh, the first hour of The Ride Home with John and Kathy here on Word FM. Jen had a very busy day today. Really busy. First, she dropped her kids off at daycare. Then she had a few minutes before yoga class for a coffee. Small latte, please. And then she saved a few lives. Nurse, two units, O negative. One, an injured child. Another, a cardiac patient. And then, a premature baby. All because Jen logged on to bloodsciencefoundation.org and made a financial donation. There, done. You see, local blood donors provide only about half of what is needed to treat patients. The other half has to be purchased and relies on financial donations from people like you and Jen. Ooh, cake pops. So, what have you done today? To make a financial donation that saves lives, visit bloodsciencefoundation.org. Blood Science Foundation, giving from the heart. Looking to save on Medicare Part D? Switching to Walgreens may help you save on your Medicare Part D prescription. Walgreens, trusted since 1901. Talk to the pharmacist to learn more. Showcase your business, meet local customers, and make new connections at the 2019 Pittsburgh North Regional Home Show and Business Expo. One day only, Saturday, February 23rd from 10 to 5 at the Block Northway, formerly Northway Mall, upper level near Wahlburgers. Free and open to the public, this annual event brings hundreds of local customers and over 40 area businesses together. A Pittsburgh North Regional Chamber of Commerce event. Details at pghnorthchamber.com. As we start 2019, we so much appreciate the support of one of our newest clients, Grove City College. So thanks to everyone at GCC. John and I and everyone here at The Ride Home are grateful for your partnership. You know, they say the best is yet to come. But to make that true for your retirement, you need a plan. We'll start by tuning in for Your Retirement Blueprint with Kurt Kenotic and Ethan Lane with Accurate Solutions Group every Saturday morning at 10. Kurt and Ethan can help simplify the retirement planning process. No technical terms or calculations, no product pushing, just the information you need for retirement. Don't miss Your Retirement Blueprint with Kurt Kenotic and Ethan Lane of Accurate Solutions Group every Saturday morning at 10 right here on 101.5 Word FM. Make every day count with your finances. Here's a tip from the founder of Debt Proof Living, Mary Hunt. I think the key to getting out of debt is to first be content with where you are, to truly want what you have. If you focus on what you don't have or can't do, you're more likely to break down and buy yourself something. Trust me, shopping will not make you happy, but counting your blessings will. Focus on what you do have. And remember, don't beat yourself up for being in debt. If you're overwhelmed by debt, there is hope. But hope is not a strategy. You need a plan. So talk to a Christian organization that you trust and find out who they recommend for debt management. That's just one idea to help you make every day count. Get a whole wallet full of ideas online at facebook.com slash make every day count from Focus on the Family. Skies will turn out partly cloudy across the area tonight, the low 27. Tomorrow, a good deal of sunshine, high 43. Partly cloudy tomorrow night, lows right around 30. 
Then for Saturday, turning out cloudy with some rain developing late in the afternoon, high 48. Rain will carry over into Saturday night and will taper off early Sunday. I'm AccuWeather meteorologist Danielle Niddle on 101.5 Word FM. Yesterday, the Southern Poverty Law Center, they uh, came out with their annual report named Year in Hate and Extremism. Talking uh, with us right now is Jeremy Tedesco, the senior counsel of a great friend of ours, Alliance Defending Freedom. And Alliance Defending Freedom annually finds themselves on the Southern Poverty Law Center hate list. Jeremy, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's our pleasure. So, Jimmy, for the people who are uh, uh, uninformed, talk to us about uh, the Southern Poverty Law Center, their beginnings, and what they've evolved into. Well, the Southern Poverty Law Center did great work years and years ago fighting the KKK and white supremacy, but they really lost their way, and they've turned into an organization that attacks people on the right, organizations and individuals who they disagree with. Um, and who disagree with what has become their far left of its agenda. Even Politico, a, a left-leaning publication, has said and written, recognized uh, the, the constant criticism of them that they become a progressive hit operation. Right. Yeah, so now what they've become is a group that if they don't like your views, they're going to put you on a hate list right alongside the KKK and the neo-Nazi party and make no distinction between you and them and just treat you like you're the same. It's really preposterous, especially with a group like us, Alliance Defending Freedom. We've won nine cases at the Supreme Court since 2011. We're one of the most respected Supreme Court advocates in the country when it comes to free speech and religious freedom. And yet there we sit on the hate list with right. the KKK. Which is crazy. And so somehow the Southern Poverty Law Center has, de- has devolved into the gold standard of what uh, Americans think is right and true. And if you're with them, great. But if not, then you yourself are, by essence, a hater and a bigot. That's right. You know what? They did great work building a brand and reputation and trusted, you know, as a trusted source when it comes to hate groups. And look, they do a great job detailing all these white supremacist groups and racist groups and all these violence inciting groups. I mean, those groups should be on a list. For sure. No doubt. The problem is, is they've made it ideological now. They've made it political and they're going after people who simply have views that they disagree with. And when they start throwing the hate speech label and the hate group label at people with mainstream views, what they're really doing is effectively shutting down conversations, shutting down conversations, stopping civil discourse. And you can't have a conversation. You can't engage in the kind of free speech we've always had in this country when people come to the debate. And the only thing they say is you're a hater. Right. Okay, so yesterday, uh, as the report was uh, once again released, the uh, year in hate and extremism, Southern Poverty Law Center had this to say about Alliance Defending Freedom. Founded by some 30 leaders of the Christian right, the Alliance Defending Freedom is a legal advocacy and training group that has supported the recriminalization of homosexuality in the United States and criminalization abroad, has defended state-sanctioned sterilization of trans people abroad, has linked homosexuality to pedophilia, and claims that a homosexual agenda will destroy Christianity and society. 
ADF also works to develop religious liberty legislation and case law that will allow the denial of goods and services to LGBT people on the basis of religion. Since the election of President Donald Trump, the ADF has become one of the most influential groups in forming the administration's attack on LGBT rights, working with an ally in Attorney General Jeff Sessions. So, Jeremy Tedesco, as the senior counsel of ADF, when you look at those charges, and they are charges, how do you respond? They're all false. They're mischaracterizations of our work. They cherry-pick these quotes and things, and then they build a house of cards on it. The reality is we are the largest legal organization defending religious freedom and free speech and conscience rights for all Americans. We work on behalf of um, people of all different faiths. We, we represent people in free speech cases all the time. And when we win those cases, we expand religious freedom and free speech for everyone. You know, so this is the thing that Southern Poverty Law Center just doesn't understand about us. Um, they decide, they, 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 what they've decided to do is hone in on a couple things in quotes in incredibly small aspects of our work from decades ago right. and then say we're a hate group because of those things. So you know, they don't want to look at our full record. They don't want to understand who we are and the good we do. That's their prerogative. But it's very problematic for them to use the hate label because of the influence that label has in our society with corporations, with government. Um, And what their goal is, and they're very clear about it, is to destroy the groups that are on their list. Their professed goal is to destroy us, and we're not going to let them do that. Um, We're a force for good in our society, and um, we're going to continue defending First Amendment freedom. So everybody's free to express their beliefs and their points of view freely in our society. So then, Jeremy, as a group of lawyers from ADF, talking to a group of lawyers from Southern Poverty Law Center, I don't even know if that happens— I'm sure there has to been talk amongst ADF lawyers. We should go after these guys. Uh, what's the problem? Why do you choose not to, or do you? Well, we're still all, we're, we are investigating all paths to stopping them from labeling us as a hate group. Um, that includes legal options. Um, they have been sued several times in the last few months over this more you know extreme approach they're taking now they're starting to identify simply people based on their ideological beliefs right. as hate groups and so uh you know one particular organization got 3.375 million dollar settlement from that simply from threatening a defamation lawsuit um and so you, you know their credibility is harmed quite a bit by their recent actions by their haste in labeling groups and then ultimately have to admit it was wrong and pay $3 million plus dollars uh, to make a lawsuit go away. And I expect to see more of that happen. Fabulous. Okay, but the, the problem is, though, right, and of course you know this, as this is, uh, annual report comes out, mainstream media picks it up, it's broadcast, and then the Southern Poverty Law Center somehow is looked at the gold standard of which, you know, truth and freedom rings from America. And so everybody else who's assigned that hate label, they're on the outside looking in. Well, media corporations and other folks in corporate America, social media companies, if they just looked at the most recent reports about Southern Poverty Law Center, the commentators, the charity watchdogs, the investigative journalists who have done reports on them and articles on them, 
I mean, they would know. They should not be relying on this group at all, that they have lost all credibility because they're starting to label their political opponents as hate groups. I mean, this has been reported in left, middle, and right-leaning publications, uh, really from all sectors over the last two years, are really starting to say they're partisan, they're unreliable, and they lack credibility. And so I expect to see that continue to winnow away at their reputation, and they're ultimately not going to be taken as seriously, I hope, uh, as time moves forward, because they shouldn't be. No, not at all. Um, they are doing, uh, they are creating a corrosive society where they're, you know, pushing their hate label out into our culture to shut down and marginalize their political opponents. And understand, too, that it, unfortunately, in at least two instances that we know of, their hate propaganda has actually inspired violence against people that they list. Wow. Uh, there was a shooting, an attempted mass shooting at Family Research Council in Washington, yes, yes. D.C., and there was another uh, riot at Middlebury College that was inspired by their writings on Charles Murray and calling him an extremist. And so, you know, I think over time, when people start to really understand who this group is, people will stop relying on them. Outstanding. Jeremy Tedesco, Senior Counsel at Alliance Defending Freedom. So let's leave Southern Poverty Law Center behind. Jeremy, uh, talk to us now about the excellent work that ADF is doing, because as you said, you've been in front of the Supreme Court multiple times. You're an advocate for Christian rights across America. What are you working on now we should be aware of? Well, yeah, I mean, we've won nine cases at the U.S. Supreme Court since 2011. Those have dealt with you know, ensuring people have access to scholarships um, for expanding their educational choice. They've dealt with legislative prayer. They've dealt, dealt with the city's discrimination against the church's signs. Just last year, in 2018, we won two cases in June, one where a law in California was forcing pro-life pregnancy centers to advertise for abortion, and another one on behalf of Jack Phillips. Uh, cake artist in Colorado, who was forced by the state of Colorado to create uh, cakes celebrating same-sex wedding ceremonies. And so we have a broad array of wins in our last nine wins at the U.S. Supreme Court, and, and those wins really can typify who we are and what we do. We work to defend fundamental First Amendment freedoms, religious freedom, freedom of speech, and conscience. Um, and we have a great track record winning those cases at the U.S. Supreme Court and across the country in lower courts. Outstanding. Well, Jeremy, we appreciate all the work, the muscle that Alliance Defending Freedom is doing for Christians across the United States. Look for Alliance Defending Freedom online, adflegal.org. Jeremy Tedesco, Senior Counsel from ADF, thank you so much. Thank you very much. WORD. In touch with Dr. Charles Stanley. Walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. And the way you maintain your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ and through the Holy Spirit and live the Spirit-filled life is setting our mind on those things and not tolerating anything else. In touch with Dr. Charles Stanley. Helping you grow in Christ every day. Tomorrow morning at 8.30 on 101.5 WORD. This is going to be the year. This is the year you are finally going to get more sleep. Real sleep. Deep sleep. The kind where you wake up feeling fully rested, refreshed, and ready to take on the day. Well, put your head on my pillow. This is John Hall. There's no better time than now to make my pillow your pillow. Stop tossing and turning and get the 
the support you need in your quest for a better night's sleep. Right now, Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow, is offering word listeners his amazing four-pack special. Order today. You'll receive two premium MyPillows along with two Go Anywhere pillows. Plus, shipping is absolutely free. Just enter the promo code WORD at MyPillow.com. Try it. And if you don't absolutely love it, return it within 60 days for a full refund. If you've resolved to get a better night's sleep, now's the perfect time to do it. Use promo code WORD at MyPillow.com and make MyPillow yours today. That's MyPillow.com. Promo code WORD. Hi, Pittsburgh. This is Tunch Ilkin for my friends at Calusi Chevrolet. With the Pittsburgh Auto Show going on this month, there's extra bonus cash savings all month long. This month only, you can save big with 0% financing for up to 60 months on select 2019 Equinoxes in stock. The team at Calusi Chevrolet has been serving Pittsburgh for over 100 years, so you can buy with confidence knowing that they are going to treat you right. For more details, go to Calusi.com. Chevrolet, find new roads. Looking for a challenging, hands-on education? One that fosters curiosity, builds confidence, and cultivates a biblical worldview? Look closer at Jubilee Christian School in Mount Lebanon. Jubilee nurtures young minds through an award-winning integrated curriculum, monthly educational field trips, and special programs like art, Kathy's music, drama, snapology, and more. An affordable education with generous financial aid. Jubilee Christian School. Imagine. Believe. Achieve. At jubileecs.org. Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville has everything you need to protect your car or truck all winter long. Say goodbye to winter grind with an extreme detailing to help preserve the life and look of your vehicle. Got a new car? Protect your investment with TST Rust Remedy, the most effective rust control system you'll find anywhere. And spray-on bullet bed liners offer extreme protection tested in the most extreme conditions known to man. Call the Extreme Team now at 412-257-1006 or visit ExtremeTruck.net. 412-257-1006, ExtremeTruck.net. Compassion International presents Casting Crowns Only Jesus Tour. With very special guest, Zach Williams and Austin French. Casting Crowns. Performing songs from their brand new album, Only Jesus, along with many of your favorite Casting Crowns hits. Casting Crowns Only Jesus Tour. With very special guests, Zach Williams and Austin French. Live at PPG Paints Arena, 7 p.m. Saturday, March 9th. Less than 2,000 seats remain at ppgpaintsarena.com. If you're a believer in Jesus, or if you're someone who's yet to believe in Jesus, one of the first questions I'd ask you is what your experience is at a worship service. And I know if you're not a believer in Jesus, you're thinking, I don't really know what a worship service is. But um, it it's a place where we who believe get together, and we talk, and we learn, and we usually sing and play. If you don't sing, I feel bad for you. I feel yeah, right? but I do sing and play and see it on a tree. That's part of that me, worship. Right? It's yeah. part of what it is, right? Yeah. Now, I think one of the most dynamic parts of worship can be that music element. But when it comes to one church mixing with another, like denomina- denominationally, things can get a little dicey, right? Because some people believe one thing and some people believe it. And I'm talking about little variations like on theology, kind of like insider baseball. But when it comes to different cultures and different races – Things can really heat up. Yeah, as far as the east is from the west. Yeah, but it can heat up for the good or it can heat up for the bad. Yeah. We don't do that here. Right? And so I've been involved in, in music leadership. I've been a worship leader for 20 years. The most challenging part of my job has been the cross-cultural part. 
And so I'm so excited that we have a whole room full of musicians here who've been involved in worship leadership for a long time. And they're doing something uh, that's coming up at Jubilee this weekend on cross-cultural worship ministry that I'm totally excited about. So I want to introduce you guys. Are you good? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Everybody, no, you're supposed to say it's radio, so you have to say something. We're good. We are good. (laughs) All right. This is who you're going to hear from in just a minute. I've got Josh Moyer. I've got Jerome Kirkland. I've got Justin Rains. I've got Brandon Macklin. And I've got Tone Kirkland. Gentlemen, welcome. Very nice. Thank you. Very glad to have you guys here. So you guys are going to be the house band at uh, Jubilee coming up this weekend, yeah? Yeah. Okay, so Jubilee, if our listeners aren't familiar with it, is a conference that's set up for college students. It happens every year done at the Convention Center, sponsored by the Coalition for Christian Outreach. And um, I would expect we're going to have between four and 5,000 students there this year. Wow. And um, it's going to be a – it's always a great time. It's one of the highlights of my year. Yep, it's and, a giant um, room, right? Yep. It's a huge room at the convention center just packed out with college students, and there's going to be a lot of energy, learning, and worship there. So let's start with Josh Moyer. Josh, you've led music at Jubilee for how many years now? Uh, I've lost track. Yeah, it's a lot. Uh, more than 10. Okay, it's a lot. Okay, so this year, is this something different for you? Uh, it it uh, so in in some ways it's not in some ways it is. Uh, there are people in the room that have never been there before. Justin and and Brandon, so thankful uh, that we were able to love it. bring them in from DC and Atlanta. So so cool. that is a new aspect. Okay, all right. These but other guys have been now, there but this now, but for that. years, you guys have embraced the cross cultural element of worship leading, right? So so the music, you know, and I, it's I, always I a mix. again, I don't want to speak insider baseball, but. But when when you're picking music for a group of people, oftentimes you can pick like white church music or you can pick <laughs> black church music. Um, but what you guys have really tried to do over the last several years is truly try to do music, but incorporate people from different cultures. Am I am I saying what's been going on? Yeah, yeah, that's totally on. So um, so one of the the very unique and special pieces about Jubilee is just as you've described. I mean, we have college students who are coming from all sorts of denominational backgrounds, all sorts of cultural backgrounds. And so it would be an, an injustice for us to just pick one kind of music uh, and just do that straight through the entire weekend. So for instance, if we just did hymns, uh, that would be great for the hymn people, but that would not be great right. for a lot of other people, including myself and probably some of these guys sitting here. So we, we sing hymns, uh, but we sing gospel stuff. We sing CCM. Last year we sang Chance the Rapper. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we just try and sing just about everything that we can. So that, okay, but that uh, brings up one of the elements that gets tricky is that I grew up doing, because I'm white, I grew up doing kind of what you would call white church music. We do music different than you guys. We don't, I mean, this has been my experience, is that we never played as long or as well as you guys did when I was growing up. So when we get together to practice, to like rehearse, like it's a whole different thing. Like you guys are just looking at music differently than I am as a white woman. I'm just trying to say what it is, right? Okay. Yeah, go ahead. So talk about it. No, I was going to say being... Now myself, I, I've I've traveled with with different artists, so I've seen the the CCM side, yeah. And then growing up in church, the black side, if you will, yeah. Um, I'm actually from Pittsburgh. Are well. you? Yeah, from from here in Pittsburgh, but um, and playing both sides of the spectrum, they're both needed. You know what I mean? Um, uh, I see it as there's some people when it comes to Worship leading and choosing the right songs, there are feelers and then there's thinkers. Mm. You know, on the CCM side of music, a lot of the, it's very, 
there's a lot more going on lyrically. Yeah. You know, so those are Yeah, but not nearly as much harmonically. True. So those are more so for the thinkers. You know what I mean? But then you have music that's for for the feelers, where there may be more going on melodically or Mm -hmm. harmonically and not as much lyrically, but it's getting straight to the point where everybody can participate. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're saying, do do you think that black music has a shortcut to the heart? I wouldn't say it's a shortcut, but it is... It it's, I'll say it's evolved. Like over the years, CCM and gospel music have have done this merging thing, to where it used to be completely separate. Mm-hmm. And I'm speaking from just being in, being in the industry. Like it used to be completely separate. Like I remember growing up and not knowing. Shout to the Lord. What is that? Right. Who who, well, who, keep who mind, wrote that? Keep in mind, you were better off. But but yeah, but but I've grown to like. Love that song, yeah. you know, like yeah, yeah. that's a great song, great song lyrically, but it wasn't something that I grew up in. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but it used to be something that was completely separate to whereas now more more black churches are appreciating the lyrical side. And then yeah. some yeah. some of the of the white churches are being more appreciative of, OK, the musical ability, if you will, yeah. of of the black churches. If you, if you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Say, yeah. Okay, so what about how you rehearse, prepare? Mm-hmm. I mean, th- what I said was my experience mm-hmm. is just that we don't sit, white people don't sit in music quite the same way I mean, as far as length of time, as far as length of rehearsal. And so I think the end product, at least as I said, what I've seen is a little more prescribed and prepared and not mm-hmm. quite as dyna- and not just not nearly as dynamic. Um, how do you deal with the differences in how Josh, how you have approached music growing up and how you guys have approached music growing up? Mm-hmm. Um, I love sitting with music. So uh, I, I love sitting with it. And, and, and frankly, the f- my favorite part is probably in preparing for Jubilee is today getting all of us in a room uh, we've all listened to the music on our own, but mm-hmm. now we've come together and we have these little ads. And instead of doing this, we're going to do that. It's it's the creativity when everyone gets in the Do room. you have That's the insecurity? Do you have insecurities, each one of you? Uh, that- I mean, I do. I mean, looking down the line at these <laughs> you, guys. You can't absolutely. imagine they have that. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So today's the rehearsal day. You're taking a break in rehearsal. You've rehearsed this morning, this yeah. afternoon. You're in here now. You're going to go back and rehearse the rest of the evening. We will. Yeah, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Well, look, I, I don't want to stop the conversation because I love this. We could go for an awful long time. But you brought instruments. I mean, I really prefer you to speak through the music. Mm-hmm. So can we do that? I'd love to hear it. Yeah. yeah. So what are you going to play? Uh, so we'll play a song called Going Long. It's uh, something that, that I wrote it's sort of in this cross-cultural vibe, uh, and uh, everybody here was involved in that project. Okay. All right. So, Josh, you wrote the song, yeah. and then did you just turn it over to them? Did you say, like, you know, create at will? Yeah. Well, I would say I turned it over to, to Jerome first, uh, and then Jerome turned it over to these guys, and uh, what you're going to hear is, is not what we all created but it'll be a version of that okay right so uh, but everyone's name in studio yeah okay so we're talking to tone kirkland we're talking to his brother jerome justin rains brandon macklin and josh moyer very nice guys take it away yeah. all my riches ever gave me was fear i can't fall I'm going long on Jesus When he died my debts paid And when he rose my future secure I'm going long on Jesus 
Josh Moyer, that's Tone Kirkland, Brandon Macklin, Justin Raines, and Jerome Kirkland. Take a quick break. Come back. we got a few more minutes ahead. Stick around. It's The Ride Home with John and Kathy. It's a Thursday show here on Word FM. World Vision presents Big Daddy Weave's Alive Tour. Join Big Daddy Weave in concert as we celebrate coming to life in Christ. The Alive Tour with Big Daddy Weave. Details at BigDaddyWeave.com. Big Daddy Weave, live at Geneva College Matheny Fieldhouse, March 22nd. Tickets and info at TransparentProductions.com. TransparentProductions.com. Looking for a challenging, hands-on education? One that fosters curiosity, builds confidence, and cultivates a biblical worldview? 
Look closer at Jubilee Christian School in Mount Lebanon. Jubilee nurtures young minds through an award-winning integrated curriculum, monthly educational field trips, and special programs like art, Kathy's music, drama, snapology, and more. An affordable education with generous financial aid. Jubilee Christian School. Imagine. Believe. Achieve. At JubileeCS.org. Hi, I'm Mike Ditcher. On the field, they called me Iron Mike. But some days, even Iron Mike can feel a little rusty. So I turned to Blue Emu. Blue Emu's non-greasy, deep-penetrating formula gets down deep for big-time comfort. And more importantly, it doesn't leave me smelling like a locker room. Now, do you excuse me? I have some yelling to do. You hit like old men. Blue Emu. It works fast and you won't stink. Moo-moo here and a moo-moo there. Here a moo, there a moo, everywhere a moo-moo. Hi there, it's me, Marcia, from the Springhouse, inviting you out to our real working dairy farm in 84, Pennsylvania. Not only will you enjoy watching the heifers in the field and the baby calves in the mini barnyard, but you should also come hungry for our fabulous farm-fresh cooking. Step inside the Springhouse for hot roast beef sandwiches, turkey and stuffing, hickory-smoked ham, stuffed cabbage rolls, real mashed potatoes, and a whole lot more. A different menu each day. The locals tell their friends that our famous chocolate milk is the official drink of the Springhouse. And be sure to save room for apple pie, ho-ho cake, Oreo cheesecake, or lots of other from-scratch goodies for dessert. Have I made you hungry yet? Let us share a little of our farm with you at the Springhouse, 724-228-3339 or springhousemarket.com. 724-228-3339 or springhousemarket.com. Most clubs you join require an initiation fee or a club membership. But not the Word FM Discount Shopping Club. No, in our club, you save as much as half. That's right, 50% on gift certificates and items from local restaurants, health services, and much more. All from the comfort of your computer or smartphone. Log on now to wordfm.com slash shopping. And I'll see you at the club. Thank you. If you're trying to figure out what to do this weekend, listen. This is it. This is what you should be doing. You should be hearing these guys lead worship at Jubilee. Jubilee is a conference put on every year by the Coalition for Christian Outreach. It's specifically targeted for college students. So if you've got a college student in your life that you love and you want them to start thinking about what faith might mean, whatever their vocation is, whether they're going to be an engineer or a baker or a musician or a banker, um, Jubilee's going to have something for that college student. But even if you don't show up for Jubilee, the, the main, yeah. on Sunday morning, the worship is through the roof. That's right. General session is open for everybody. And um, so I would absolutely encourage you to go. Um, we've got one, two, three, four, five amazing musicians right here in the room. And uh, we're so excited about what you guys are going to bring to Jubilee. Okay, Josh Moyer, you've been leading at Jubilee for a long time. Um, tell me two things you're particularly excited about this year. Uh, so two things particularly excited about this year. Nice. I would say uh, the first is is uh, these guys. Yeah. Um, it, it's a it's it is a, a joy and a pleasure and, and an honor to get to work with them. Mm-hmm. It's a powerhouse. Uh, so, isn't it? so so thankful that they're all here. That they've all said yes and they they've uh, been willing to be a part of the weekend. Uh, and the second is just the the students who attend Jubilee. Uh, 
in many ways are 100% engaged in the content of Jubilee. And I so value this content, this idea of this, the drama of scriptures, creation, fall, redemption, restoration. It's something that I didn't learn until I was in my later years, this idea that, that God desires uh, to, to be integrated into every part of our mm-hmm. lives, to transform everything. Um, that was not something that I was taught growing up. And so, you know, I went off and went to school, became a lawyer, and, and never heard that kind of stuff. And it's been so valuable since I did. Very mm-hmm. nice. Isn't it great to see other people, like the light come on and they start oh, thinking, wait, it's God does care what yeah. I'm going to do for a living and yeah, yeah. what my family looks like and who I vote for and yeah. all those sorts of things. God's going to care about all of that. And that's a great way of putting it, to see the, the light bulbs go yeah. off this weekend. That's, that's wonderful. That's yeah. why we all support the CCO and Jubilee. So you guys, thank you so much for being here. This is Tone Kirkland, Brandon Macklin, Justin Rains, Jerome Kirkland, and Josh Moyer. They're doing music this year at Jubilee 2019. Yeah. We're excited guys thanks for stopping by i love it thanks so much for having us appreciate it yeah take a break come back for a little news weather traffic during our five o'clock hour we're going to uh talk about uh you can say there's only one true faith how does that work one true faith is that real that's our five o'clock hour plus it's national sticky bun day i don't even know what that means WORDFM, Pittsburgh, a service of Salem Media Group. With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. A Coast Guard lieutenant accused of being a white supremacist who stockpiled guns and compiled a hit list of prominent Democrats will remain detained in federal custody after his arrest. A federal magistrate in Maryland on Thursday ordered 49-year-old Christopher Paul Hassenheld, U.S. Attorney Robert Hur says, thankfully, law enforcement was able to catch the Coast Guard lieutenant before there was any loss of life. The sheer number and force of the weapons that were recovered from Mr. Hassan's residence in this case, coupled with the disturbing nature of his writings, appear to reflect a very significant threat to the safety of our community, particularly given the position of trust that Mr. Hassan held with the United States government. And in Chicago, Empire actor Jesse Smollett, who, according to Chicago police, had staged a racist anti-gay attack on himself because he wanted to promote his career, has appeared in court today. This is SRN News. Texting privacy policy and terms and conditions are posted at www.textrules.us. Texting enrolls for recurring automated marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. There's a mute button on your cell. And one on your TV remote. Don't you wish there was one on your partner's snoring too? Thankfully, now there is. Mute is a comfortable nasal breathing device that increases airflow through the nose by gently opening the airways. You'll get more air through your nose so you'll breathe less through your mouth, which is often the cause of snoring. And thanks to Mute, less snoring means more sleep for me. Hit the Mute button on your partner's snoring. Available at Walgreens, CVS, Rite Aid and other fine stores. To get a valuable coupon, text the word MUTE to 246810. Text M-U-T-E to 246810. For more information, go to MUTESnoring.com. MUTE, 
Breathe more, snore less, sleep better. Hi, Pittsburgh. This is Tunch Yilkin for my friends at Calusi Chevrolet. With the Pittsburgh Auto Show going on this month, there's extra bonus cash savings all month long. Save over $11,700 on a 2018 Silverado All-Star Edition when you qualify with current GM lease and finance with GM Financial. The team at Calusi Chevrolet has been serving Pittsburgh for over 100 years, so you can buy with confidence knowing that they are going to treat you right. For more details, Go to Calusi.com. Chevrolet, find new roads. Showcase your business, meet local customers, and make new connections at the 2019 Pittsburgh North Regional Home Show and Business Expo. One day only, Saturday, February 23rd from 10 to 5 at the Block Northway, formerly Northway Mall, upper level near Wahlburgers. Free and open to the public, this annual event brings hundreds of local customers and over 40 area businesses together. A Pittsburgh North Regional Chamber of Commerce event. Details at pghnorthchamber.com. Compassion International presents Casting Crowns Only Jesus Tour. With very special guest, Zach Williams and Austin French. Casting Crowns. Performing songs from their brand new album, Only Jesus, along with many of your favorite Casting Crowns hits. Casting Crowns Only Jesus Tour. With very special guests, Zach Williams and Austin French. Live at PPG Paints Arena, 7 p.m. Saturday, March 9th. Less than 2,000 seats remain at ppgpaintsarena.com. The Pittsburgh Catholic, the widest circulated weekly newspaper in western Pennsylvania, has been keeping its faithful readers informed and inspired since March 16, 1844. To celebrate 175 years in our community, a special publication is planned for March 15th. Join this community celebration and become a part of history with your congratulatory ad. Reserve your space today at 412-471-1253. That's 412-471-1253. Skies will turn out partly cloudy across the area tonight. The low 27. Tomorrow, a good deal of sunshine. High 43. Partly cloudy tomorrow night. Lows right around 30. Then for Saturday, turning out cloudy with some rain developing late in the afternoon. High 48. Rain will carry over into Saturday night and will taper off early Sunday. I'm AccuWeather meteorologist Danielle Niddle on 101.5 Word FM. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home on 101.5 Word FM. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, greetings. Good afternoon. Really enjoyed the, uh, the, the music in the last segment. It's always exciting to have musicians live in studio. It changes everything, doesn't mm-hmm. it? It really does. Yeah. yeah. All right. So uh, Jesse Smollett was arraigned this afternoon. Um, what a story this is. Yeah. So this, this started out being a, um, hate crime. A, a, a reporting of a hate crime, an attack that was... Uh, racially based and um, it was sexually discriminatory and then somehow over what three or four I don't know how many days this kind of I don't know how many days this unfolded oh yeah Um, but anyway now it looks like um, Jesse Smollett his 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 position at Empire is in question Um, I hear that your whole career your whole life I heard that there was some uh, some conversation about what they're going to do with his character and of course his career is over Pretty much Done. so. I mean, you, it's you know, over. He staged the whole thing. He's been charged with a felony, and you think I, I, I think for everybody, no matter what your take on this is, the central question is why? What? Why what? would you? You know, here's a guy who's operating at a high level. He's on a, a hit TV show. 
career-wise, you think you're doing pretty darn good. But I guess the answer for the why is he wants to take it to another level, that he wanted more attention, he wanted more money, more fame. And so to do that, to invent this crime and then to send yourself a letter with white powder in it, you wanted that white hot glare of the spotlight even deeper on you. And, I just and, and don't so, get and it. So what did he say that the guys said to him? It was something about this is what Trump's This America- is MAGA country. This is MAGA country. Right. So the whole thing was staged and apparently they did rehearsals and the guys went out on a little shopping thing where they bought, you know, red hats and rope and bl- I mean, you just can't make this up. Quite honestly, your heart's got to break for him yeah. because you think, how can you be such a coconut and flush everything away for that you've worked this hard for? Yeah. For what? Just for more ego gratification, a little more cash in your paycheck. Right. I don't get it. So and why wh- are we so susceptible? Well, I don't know. I'm of two minds on this because part of me wants to ask why we're so susceptible to hearing the narration of the Trump supporters who are antagonistic. Right. Okay. Which so we just it was the same thing. We just went through this. Guys. Right. It was two weeks ago. We were d- d- talking about the Covington guys, and you know that kid was the worst kid March on earth life. who was who was dissing at the um, at the Native American elder, and then you know we watch a video. 48 hours later and realize totally that that's, that's not that's not actually you see this what thing happened. yesterday i don't know if you've been following the news you know, yesterday the lawyers for this uh, the, the covington the boy, kid. he sued the new york uh, washington post washington post for 250 million dollars and that's just the tip of the iceberg and from my perspective i read every article the washington post put out me about too that. washington post was derelict in how they covered that story no doubt. from the very start which was most of mainstream media i don't know we, we live in these really weird times and people come at it from all these different perspectives but the hate level has risen so much that we're willing to point the finger at each other yeah. and bring each other down for what politics right. yeah for something that we know an ideology we're so deeply invested in we're off the rails here in this yeah country. and you know right after I think it was the Kavanaugh hearings. The thing that kept coming into my head, actually it was during the Kavanaugh hearings, is we have got to learn how to lose. We've got to learn how to lose. I don't think you can. We Listen, no, that is, that is an essential element of democratic, mature human behavior. Yeah, but we're, we're, we're not mature anymore. To, that's the problem. Okay, all you, if you are invested in this, and of course – you know, we are to a degree because this is our livelihood, so you need to stay on top of it. But there are people who this is – they're doing this like it's their full-time job. Right. So so politics equals religion. Right. And so all you got to do is, you, you know, I feel bad for people who live and die on Twitter feeds right. where the most heinous conversations and predictable put-downs and finger-pointing and ideology is ripped apart – what is the deal with that? Get a life, people. Please get a life. All right. How about thinking about the reporters and actual news media that are on Twitter as well? And I wonder if if there needs to be a moment of reckoning, because both in the Covington case and in this Jussie Smollett case, not only were regular people weighing in and right. saying, oh, my gosh, these horrible that these horrible Catholic school kids or the these horrible attackers, these, you know, these people who are Trump supporters. Uh, how dare they? Blah, blah. You know, but it's not just regular people. It's not just, you know, people who are just giving their own opinion. But these are actual news media professionals right. employed by viable news gathering right. organizations who are weighing in in a moralistic way right out of the gate. 
without waiting to see what story develops. Because it's about clicks. Right. And it's about being the first on the scene. So how is it that we get our own news media to back up the bus? I don't know. Relax it. Because they are making themselves into a caricature of what they want to be. They're upset with the hashtag fake news thing. But I don't think they realize that they are co- – they're actually they are. causing that to happen. They're bringing that into a reality because of how poorly they're conducting themselves when it's coming to breaking news online. So is there any news organization that is nonpartisan – that reports the news as it's presented because I well, think we've I lost that. I don't know if maybe we've never yeah, even had it. I don't know if there are news organizations, but don't haven't you found over time that there are certain people on Twitter you trust? Oh, without a doubt. Okay. Yeah, but there used to be at least the premise that there was a standard of fair reporting. That when the news came down, we were like, look, uh, say what you will about Walter Cronkite and CBS News, right? There was a time in America in the 60s and early 70s where people looked at Walter Cronkite and went, that guy is telling me the truth. I believe that guy. Now, I think that's changed. We look at the mainstream news media. People, You look at people's choice of news media consumption and go, that guy's either on the left or that guy's on the right. You walk into somebody's room and they're watching MSNBC or they're watching CNN or they're watching Fox, then you nod your head and you go, okay, I know where they are. And that's crazy. It is crazy. It is crazy. So instead, maybe we need to be the kind of people who find a reporter or writer or commentator that you trust. Not necessarily the agency they work for, or the network that they work for, but you trust them to give you the real story. But or I to wonder, give you an unvarnished uh, – there aren't any unvarnished perspectives. But Everyone are, carries are their just bias willing with to, them. How about people who are just willing to be reasonable? Yeah. I wonder. I wonder if news organizations allow those people who are the you know outliers, who don't stay with whatever that memo policy is all about, allow them to exist in an independent manner because that's also problematic. That once you sign up as part of the organization, right, as a journalist, the company line. exactly, that's a whole other story. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, before we take a break, we, we just have to say that that we've lost a uh, bass player from the Monkees. Oh yeah. How about this? Yeah, Peter Tork. Peter Tork died. Here's a greatest hits montage: The Monkees. Point five W O R D. Now a 
fantastic way to make the day count for only Jesus. Enter the Casting Crowns Only Jesus Getaway Giveaway. We're giving away two grand prizes, a getaway trip for two to the Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C., and a getaway for two to see Casting Crowns live in concert. Plus, Casting Crowns CD catalogs and more. Jesus is the only name to remember. Register to win at wordfm.com slash contests. This is going to be the year. This is the year you are finally going to get more sleep, real sleep, deep sleep, the kind where you wake up feeling fully rested, refreshed, and ready to take on the day. Well, put your head on my pillow. This is John Hall. There's no better time than now to make my pillow your pillow. Stop tossing and turning and get the support you need in your quest for a better night's sleep. Right now, Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow is offering word listeners his amazing four pack special order today you'll receive two premium my pillows along with two go anywhere pillows plus shipping is absolutely free just enter the promo code word at mypillow.com try it and if you don't absolutely love it return it within 60 days for a full refund if you've resolved to get a better night's sleep now's the perfect time to do it use promo code word at mypillow.com and make my pillow yours today that's mypillow.com promo code word from executive producers Tim Tebow and Robbie Tebow comes Run the Race. Two brothers share an unbreakable bond, but life's unexpected adversities put their future in question. It's all part of his plan, right? You're not the first person to wrestle with his faith. When you lose your way, how do you find hope? Why is this so hard? God does love you. He loves you like crazy. Run the Race. Rated PG. Bell guidance suggested in theaters February 22nd. For tickets and showtimes, go to runtheracemovie.com. Hi. I'm John Henney from Henney Jewelers. Since 1887, my family has helped people celebrate the most memorable moments in their lives. We are rooted in faith and commit to doing the right thing again and again. We believe in the covenant of marriage and use our to have and to hold program to encourage couples as they prepare to spend the rest of their lives together. Please stop into our Shadyside store to learn more or visit HenneyJewelers.com. Henny Jewelers. Your jewelers for life. I had a great time this morning with my dentist. She just made me feel so comfortable. To patients of Dr. Megan Stock, she's more than a great dentist. She's an answer to prayer. She makes you feel so calm. Didn't make me feel shameful about the condition of my teeth. We just love to talk about the Lord and what's going on in our families. I am confident that when I'm finished that I'm going to have a bright, beautiful smile, which I really wanted to have for a long time. She does fabulous work. Perry Highway in Wexford at Stock Family Dentist. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. Do not forget to buy lentils, or the lentil soup you're making for dinner will be sorely lacking. By the way, Mrs. Calloway says thanks for helping her bundle home and auto. She appreciates the extra savings, even though you kept using the word apropos incorrectly. But the main thing is do not forget to buy, uh, what was it? Something apropos, the lentil soup. Sorry, I'll call you back. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Have you ever had this conversation with anyone who's not a believer? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And people say, well, uh, that's not true. I mean, there's... How can that be? There, I mean, What about Buddha? Right. What about Allah? I mean, right. What about the hundreds of millions of people who've been born who didn't know Jesus' name? Yeah. What about them? Uh, this question comes up often about true faith. How can you say that there's one true faith 
Rebecca McLaughlin is with us. Rebecca holds a Ph.D. from Cambridge University. She's a regular writer uh, for the Gospel Coalition. Her her first book called Confronting Christianity, 12 Hard Questions for the World's Largest Religion will drop later in April of this year. Rebecca, welcome back to the show. How are you today? I'm doing very well. Great to be back. Thank you. Rebecca, you've asked an essential question. What species of truth is religious truth? Right, and I think that's that's where we need to start with this question, because if religious truth is like me saying my mum's cooking is better than your mum's, then that's something that you and I can agree to disagree about, that sure. in fact my mum is better than your mum's, just because <laughs> you're wondering. But if it's like saying uh, this cancer treatment will cure you, that's that's a sort of question where we actually need to know what, what's the truth, right? We need to know a truth that's going to be applicable to you and going to be applicable to me. And so we have these interesting questions around what kind of truth is, is religious truth. And I, I don't know if your, your listeners are familiar with the parable that's sometimes told about this, which is you imagine a, a village full of blind people and they are encountering an elephant for the first time. And so some people go up and they hold on to the elephant's leg and they think, oh, this, this is like a tree. And somebody else goes up and holds on to the elephant's trunk and says, oh, no, no, this is definitely, this creature's like a snake. And then the third person goes up and holds onto the elephant's tusks and says, no, 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 I'm feeling like a spear here. This is, this is definitely a spear-like creature. Mm-hmm. And in this story, which is often told to help people, supposedly help people understand how different kinds of religious truths fit together, in the story, we can see that the elephant is in fact an elephant with all these attributes. And those individual blind people touching the elephant are only grasping onto one piece. So... It's like the the bumper sticker I saw a few weeks ago, which said, my God is too big for any one religion. Now, the the problem with that that picture is that for the story to work, you and I are not blind. Right. We can can see the whole elephant. Right. And we're actually feeling a little bit condescending toward these people who are encountering different parts of the elephant and, and not seeing the full picture. It's like, well, we see the full picture and they don't. So what, what seems like a respectful approach to different kinds of religious truth actually turns out to be kind of patronizing and condescending because we're saying, you know, to our Muslim friends, you actually just aren't seeing the full picture. And to our Hindu friends, you aren't seeing the full picture. And to, to Christians, you aren't seeing the full picture. Yes. So whereas we do maybe have a tendency to, to be arrogant in our claims, sometimes thinking of religious truth as just relative, you know, everybody's opinion is equally valid and every religion is one part of the same truth can turn out to be kind of patronizing. Right. And I think it's important also to recognize that if all of those people are holding different parts of an elephant, there's still, it's not a giraffe. Right, exactly. So there's another weakness in, in that analogy. As you say, there really truly is an elephant that has all these attributes. And I think as we look at the different world religions, you may find some degree of compatibility between religions in, in various senses. But Christianity is like the puzzle piece that you just can't quite cram into the hole. I don't know if you ever tried that, where you've got this awkward puzzle piece that doesn't, doesn't fit the hole you're going to put it in, because right. Christianity in particular, and, and to a significant extent Islam as well, makes some very specific historical claims that are either true or untrue. Yes. Most notably that Jesus Christ, 2,000 years ago, died on a cross and rose from the dead, and you know, physically rose from the dead. And as soon as we say something like that is in the category of relative truth, like your mum's cooking is better or worse than mine, 
our whole understanding of history actually unravels because we, we stop being able to say things actually happened or not, even if we can't access that truth enough to, to be able to prove it one way or another. Yes. Um, if we start saying, actually, Jesus both could have risen from the dead like Christians say, and not risen from the dead like Jews and Muslims and Hindus and atheists say, right. as soon as we say that, we, we've lost our entire grip on history and, and everything becomes relative and unraveled before us. So, so go into that a little further, right? Because there is obviously the problem of, of truth, but there's also a problem of history as well, yeah? yeah? Yeah, and as I say, I think the problem with history is one that you can go into it and, and look at it from the perspective of looking at the Christian claims about history, but as soon as you do, you realize it's a, it, it exposes a much larger problem. And from a Christian perspective, you know, maybe we could get around that by saying, well, uh, we're not really making the, the strictly historical claim that Jesus rose from the dead. You know, people will sometimes claim maybe it was Jesus seems to rise or rose in people's hearts. And as soon as you do that, you're actually knocking up against some very difficult terrain when it comes to understanding the New Testament, which seems to very distinctively claim that Jesus, in fact, physically rose from the dead. So that's no fix. And then you have the, the additional problem of the fact that Jesus specifically told his disciples to go and make disciples of, of all nations. So if Jesus had just presented himself as a Messiah for a particular people at a particular time, maybe that could have fitted in with other kinds of religious traditions without too much awkwardness. But in fact, Jesus claimed to be the Lord of all the universe for every culture and every place and every time and every person. And that's where it becomes really, really difficult, really, really awkward for us. Yes. Um, that, that Jesus is either who he says he is or he's not. Rebecca McLaughlin is with us. Her new work it drops later this year in early April. It is called Confronting Christianity, 12 Hard Questions for the World's Largest Religion. So, Rebecca, as as we have, um, hopefully, these conversations with other people who are not believers. So, you know, the three of us are having the conversation and we're, we all are, are believers in Jesus. But the rubber meets the road when we're having a conversation with someone who isn't. And um, oftentimes it's hard to get at the actual thing because we're trying to be polite and we're trying to be and and I, I think it's good to be polite and I think it's good to have manners Absolutely. when we're talking mm-hmm. about these things. But also I think there's something about American culture and perhaps Western culture that's causing us to become so absurdly careful that we're not actually saying the true thing that we think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think there are, there are two ways we can think about that. One is that ultimately if we are respectfully but firmly um, engaging with somebody's actual beliefs that are other than ours, we're showing them more respect than if we are not doing so and we're not taking their beliefs seriously enough to recognize that they're different from ours. So if I, if I say to a Muslim friend, you know, I think you and I really believe the same thing, I'm actually not respecting them as a, a serious Muslim. I'm sort of assuming that maybe they haven't really thought about what they believe to know that it's different from what I believe. And I'm not recognizing that they have the, the agency, the ability to make their own decisions. Because sometimes I think we, we want to keep one religion to one culture and another religion to another culture and, and you know, make it all about cultural differences. But the two problems with that are, one, that Christianity has been radically multicultural from day one and is today the most diverse global belief system by far. And two, that as soon as we say that and we say we shouldn't be talking to a Muslim friend or a Hindu friend or a Buddhist friend, 
we're kind of saying like they, they're completely defined by their culture and they don't have the right to change their mind. Hmm. And ultimately, <laughs> the most respectful thing to, we can do to somebody is say, hey, I, I respect your beliefs. And because I respect them, I take them seriously enough to disagree and to explain to yes. you why I think that they're not right. Yes. Yeah. And right. you can do the same to me. Like, yes. please explain to me why you think I'm not right. Right. And we have to be able to take that and hear it well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think all of us have that natural tendency to want to point score off other people and to prove that we're right. We, we actually have that. My mother's cooking is better than your mother, mother's, you know, mentality in our hearts. So we have to watch ourselves and make sure that we're not bringing that into the conversation but for me, what I find most helpful there is to remember that never as a Christian am I saying I'm better than you. Actually, I'm often saying to a friend, I recognize that I'm really not a good person. And because I recognize how much of a moral failure I am, that's why I need Jesus. So we can come in with a kind of humility to these conversations, which is not a false humility, which says I'm never going to engage the real ideas, but is a truly Christian humility of saying, I am such a mess that I need a savior. And I think maybe you do as well, but I, I'm going to tell you about my need for Jesus and why I think that actually trusting in him is the salvation that I need. I don't just need a teacher. I don't just need a right. guru. I don't just need a moral leader. I need somebody to actually rescue me. Yes. And that person Jesus. And so how can you say there's only one true faith for people who look at Jesus? I mean, Jesus is certainly different than Allah and Buddha. Uh, when you look at the miracles of Jesus or how Jesus was so invested in all around him time and time again, there's a problem there if people want to say, well, there's just one true faith, yeah? Yeah, and and I think a religion like Hinduism or, or Buddhism is actually easier to integrate and accommodate others. So there's an extent to which, because uh, Hindus, in some sense, depending on who you talk to, but many Hindus would be happy to kind of include Jesus as another God among many. Right. As Christians, we really don't have that option because Jesus was uh, shockingly claiming to his first century hearers who are either fiercely monotheistic Jews or extremely polytheistic uh, Greeks and, and Romans, that he in fact was the one true God come in the flesh. So we end up with uh, you know, a deeply awkward claim that Jesus is, is making about himself, which we either submit to or we reject, and there isn't really a middle ground. Right. We're talking to Rebecca McLaughlin, who holds a PhD from Cambridge University and a theology degree from Oak Hill Seminary in London. She's a regular writer for the Gospel Coalition, and we're talking about her very first book, which is called Confronting Christianity, 12 Hard Questions for the World's Largest Religion, and it drops this April. Right. Now, Rebecca, this book in many ways comes from your own life because you weren't necessarily a believer of Christ most of your life. Is that true? Uh, that's actually not true. <laughs> um, however, I've spent a lot of my life engaging with people who are not believers. So I had the pleasure of going to uh, schools, uh, both at the you know, younger high school level and at university level, with a lot of very smart people who were not Christians at all and actually found my faith somewhere between offensive and ridiculous a lot of the time. So I've um, had both the, the challenge and the, the privilege for almost as long as I can remember of having these sorts of conversations with people. And I don't think I ever felt like I was uh, you know, in some sort of privileged position of not having my faith contested. Um, but I was able to, to have those sorts of conversations with people who were 
A, as I say, really smart, and B, really disagreed with me. So I think there's an opportunity there to to learn from the best of other people's thinking. Mm -hmm. Um, And I actually believe strongly in doing that. I I learn a lot from people who disagree with me, um, even when I'm I'm not saying I'm going to change my beliefs in light of what you're saying at a fundamental level. I often find out the weaknesses in my own arguments and the misunderstandings in my own perspectives by testing them out with somebody who's very smart and isn't going to let me get away with mm, saying things that yeah. don't. Right. Well, Rebecca, we always love talking to you. We're excited about this new book that's coming out in a couple months. And uh, let me Thank give you. you the title again, Confronting Christianity, 12 Hard Questions for the World's Largest Religion. Right. Rebecca McLaughlin, thank you so much. Yeah, you can pre-order the book thank right now much. on Amazon.com. And I'm sure you in the- You can pre-order right now. Oh, yeah. I didn't you know, know you could pre-order. It's the, uh, the beauty and genius of Amazon. All right. And I'm sure in the uh, intervening months, the uh, future months, we'll have Rebecca on and uh, continue this conversation. Jen had a very busy day today. Really busy. First, she dropped her kids off at daycare. Then she had a few minutes before yoga class for a coffee. Small latte, please. And then she saved a few lives. Nurse, two units, O negative. One, an injured child. Another, a cardiac patient. And then, a premature baby. All because Jen logged on to bloodsciencefoundation.org and made a financial donation. There, done. You see, local blood donors provide only about half of what is needed to treat patients. The other half has to be purchased and relies on financial donations from people like you and Jen. Ooh, cake pops. So, what have you done today? To make a financial donation that saves lives, visit bloodsciencefoundation.org. Blood Science Foundation. Giving from the heart. Hi, Pittsburgh. This is Tunch Ilkin for my friends at Calusi Chevrolet. With the Pittsburgh Auto Show going on this month, there's extra bonus cash savings all month long. This month only, you can save big with 0% financing for up to 60 months on select 2019 Equinoxes in stock. The team at Calusi Chevrolet has been serving Pittsburgh for over 100 years, so you can buy with confidence knowing that they are going to treat you right. For more details, go to Calusi.com. Chevrolet, find new roads. It's the little things, like a shirt fresh out of the dryer. Mmm, toasty. Or finding fresh doorbusters at Stage Doors One Big Sale. This Friday through Monday, get wall-to-wall deals, starting with a buy one, get two free clearance doorbuster. Then treat yourself to something fun to mix up your look. Because it's 40% off a single pair of shoes or handbag with your coupon, too. Hurry in. This One Big Sale starts Friday. Little things mean everything at our Stage community of stores. Bells, goodies, Pally Royal, Peoples, and Stage. Offer exclusions apply. This is Chris Abernethy of Abernethy and Hagerman. You don't want the government deciding what happens to your estate or how much they will take. At Abernethy and Hagerman, estate administration is the heart and soul of our practice. We have the experience to help not only plan, but administer your estate properly. To protect your assets, minimize taxes, and ensure that your inheritance gets to the ones you love. Decide for yourself. Abernethy and Hagerman. Legal help that lasts a lifetime. Visit a-h.law. Most clubs you join require an initiation fee or a club membership. But not the Word FM Discount Shopping Club. No, in our club, you save as much as half. That's right, 50% on gift certificates and items from local restaurants, health services, and much more. All from the comfort of your computer or smartphone. Log on now to wordfm.com slash shopping. And I'll see you at the club. Thank you. 
skies will turn out partly cloudy across the area tonight, the low 27. Tomorrow, a good deal of sunshine, high 43. Partly cloudy tomorrow night, lows right around 30. Then for Saturday, turning out cloudy with some rain developing late in the afternoon, high 48. Rain will carry over into Saturday night and will taper off early Sunday. I'm AccuWeather meteorologist Danielle Niddle on 101.5 Word FM. National Sticky Bun Day. I I'm not quite sure what that means. I, 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 what, what's going on there? Oh, I, you don't know what a sticky bun is? Well, no, wait a second. I mean, I, I think grew, you know what a sticky bun is. I mean, like a cinnamon cinnamon roll? Yeah. Oh, okay. Like, you know, or even like a homemade, like, poppin' fresh thing? Sure. Okay. Like. I mean, I'm not an arbiter. But something that's... So I'm not going to tell you that that doesn't apply. Something generally that is, um, well... It doesn't have to have icing on it, does it, to be a sticky bun, does well, it? Well, how else is it sticky? I don't know. Maybe there's, you know, I remember um, coming home from a, a long international trip one year, and I stepped out of the airport, like, you know, in Atlanta or someplace, right. and the whole airport, like it's 7.30 in the morning, smelled like a gigantic cinnamon bun. Oh, that's from Auntie, or not, what's that, Cinnabon. Oh, my gosh. You know what I did? I walked right over to that place and I was like, yes, Sign please. Sign me up, right? And, uh, Cinnabon, yeah. And those those sticky buns are about the size of a hubcap. Yeah, and I got to be honest with you, that's too much. I was ill. That is too much. I thought I needed it, but I did not. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I was happy to have it. Yeah. It's a little bit of marketing genius. It really is because the smell is outrageous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I'm not a big fan of the Cinnabon You're just because it's too much. I think, f- I think it's just too well, I was going to say it's too much. Of, I just think it's too much of everything. It is. I, I think really think it is. I think in some ways it's America at its best. Yeah. I think it's Jim Gaffigan who says, I don't know whether to eat it or sit on it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, okay do sure. you have a favorite s- s- sticky bun? Well, first of all, you know, I, I stopped eating sugar last Easter for, oh, the so most, then, for the most part. Then you don't have a favorite sticky bun. But I would think that... I, I, I can't think of a thing I miss more than the sticky bun. Really? That's how much I love a sticky bun. So you've not had one for over a year? No. What? I mean, it hasn't, it's not Easter Oh, yet. yeah, right. Okay. But no, I haven't had one in really? a year. Really? Here's the thing. There's a place <coughs> on Balboa Island, uh, on Marine Avenue on Balboa Island in California, Newport Beach, mm-hmm. that has the single best cinnamon roll sticky bun situation really? of all time. Really? Now, it probably has something to do with, you know, you get it. It's delicious, and then you go look at the ocean while you're eating it. I think right, that probably right. improves the whole thing. I'm sure it does. Yeah, but yeah. but even on its own, even if I was looking at some you know ugly scene in front of me, I think it would still be. I'm sure very delicious. When I was a kid in college, I, I attended Point Park downtown, and there used to be a pharmacy about a block from Point Park on the on Wood Street, and they had a lunch counter, and I remember walking in there one time and. And they had on their grill, mm-hmm. they were grilling pecan rolls. <gasps> oh, my uh, goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my gosh. Isn't that good? So I walked uh, in there like on a regular basis and had myself a hot grilled pecan roll and ate it while I was walking down the street to school. Oh, my gosh. And didn't you think uh, you had arrived? I thought that's the most incredible thing. That's pretty much the height of your I life. I think so, too. Mike, do you like yourself a sticky bun? Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Actually, two weeks ago... Mm. Um, I went into the kitchen here. It's in the studio. Yep. Yeah. And I saw this sticky bun that was probably larger than my head. Where was that? In the and, kitchen? Yeah, it was in the kitchen over I here. I missed that. I, I, even though I'm gluten-free, yeah. I couldn't resist. Right. I had to, I had to have this. Mm-hmm. 
So I you didn't it. think about how cranky you were going to be? No, later. absolutely not. I crushed that thing, mm, um, mm, and mm. I closed the box. I'm like, "Where is this from?" Orm's Donut Shop. Oh yeah, the best mm-hmm. giant cinnamon rolls. Really? Ever. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Now I remember that. So at that, I think somebody brought in like two yeah. boxes of that, and then at the end of the day, they wrapped them up and put them in the freezer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So for a, like a week or so, those free those frozen sticky buns were around. They were still good. Yeah, I actually dunked it in my coffee. Well, you you continue to eat those. Oh, you. So definitely. you had more than one. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah Mike's packing wow. on the pounds. Wow. Isn't he? Okay. What country do you think sticky buns originally came from? They are from Pakistan. <laughs> I have no idea. Wrong. Mike. <laughs> Italy. I don't, I don't know. Wrong. Uh, German settlers brought the sticky uh, bun German to. The state of Pennsylvania yeah. in the 1700s. Really? That's you. how it happened. That is how it happened. So mm. my Balboa Island thing that I love so much, that would not have happened if it was not for right here Nice in Pennsylvania. Thank Those you, Germans. Germans. Yeah, very Thank much. Thank you, Keystone State. All right. That's the Sticky Bun update here on the ride home. Happy Sticky Bun Day. <laughs> on National Sticky Bun Day, yeah. Woo. Okay. Oh, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about communal reading. The early Christians sitting around listening to some guy read. I like this. WORD. Playing Pittsburgh's favorite Christian music on the weekend. With the best new music. New music. New music from I Am They. Scars. Danny Goki and Haven't Seen It Yet. Maybe you just haven't seen it. Just haven't seen it yet. And Ledger with Completely. The best new music and Pittsburgh's favorites. Sponsored by Trinity Jewelers. 101.5 WORD on the weekend. Winter is a fantastic time to replace windows and doors. Energy Swings Donnie Dara on the value of a winter installation. Whenever you get windows and doors in the wintertime, it is actually a very warm installation. We take one window out at a time. You immediately put the new one in. And then most of the time is taken by finishing around the inside and finishing around the outside. And it's the same concept with the door. And Prices are typically the best in the winter months. Typically, it's a slower season. A lot of suppliers have a lot of discounts. So what we're offering right now, we have an additional $50 off per window and $250 off per door. Plus, for the loyal Word FM listeners, when you get a new entry door, you get a free ring doorbell. The ring doorbell has really been a big thing, and we give them away free with every front entry door that we install. Right now, take an extra $50 off per window when you purchase six or more and $250 off per entry door or patio door over and above any current offers for word listeners only at EnergySwingWindows.com. How many sales are you missing because you're not effectively using social media marketing? The vast majority of the population is on social media, shopping. We're Salem Surround. We take the mystery of digital marketing off your shoulders, letting you run your business while we deliver customers. There are no limitations on where you can reach customers with Salem Surround. Total market penetration for increased ROI. Learn more by logging on to surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. The Pittsburgh Catholic, the widest circulated weekly newspaper in western Pennsylvania, has been keeping its faithful readers informed and inspired since March 16, 1844. To celebrate 175 years in our community, a special publication is planned for March 15th. Join this community celebration and become a part of history with your congratulatory ad. Reserve your space today at 412-471-1253. That's 412-471-1253. 
What gives one company the edge over another? Maybe it's not one thing. Maybe it's taking care of lots of things that help a business run smoothly. In other words, Cintas. Cintas has products that help your people stay safe and apparel programs that convey the right image. They service fire protection equipment, deliver and stock restroom supplies, and make sure facilities are clean and ready. Because when all those things work together, you're in business. Oh, I'm ready! Get Cintas and get ready for the workday. To succeed in business, you need talent. You find talent at the Word FM Job Fair. Businesses know our job fairs set the standard in this town thanks to the caliber of this audience. Highly trained, always seeking to up their game. These are loyal, hardworking, dedicated folks who'd seriously consider your offer if they only knew you had one. The Word FM Job Fair, Thursday, March 28th, 11 to 3 at the Pittsburgh Plaza Hotel Green Tree. It's anything but business as usual. Secure your presence now at 412-937-1500. Do you remember when you were a kid and, you know, you all read in class together? You would take turns reading. I used to love that, you know. You go down one aisle, go down the right. other, and I would I would be so excited about it. I'd <laughs> yeah. read ahead and go. I'd look ahead and go. Okay, there's four, five, six kids ahead of me. This is my paragraph coming up, and then I would quickly read it. He was destined, Mike, to be in radio, so you could present it well. You wanted to stand up and go. I'm here, baby. <laughs> and probably 95 percent of the class hated that exercise probably. more than anything. Right, but I, I I love the idea of. You know, whether it was your mom that read to you or your teacher that read to you or wherever, everyone was together. Yeah, and hearing other people and how they do it. Yeah, you shared the story, right? I mean, I think we've reached sort of a nadar in some ways of of communal reading when you think about podcasts and, of course, radio uh, always. Uh, Brian J. Wright is with us. Uh, Brian uh, has written a wonderful book and a piece that goes along with this, Reading Together Early Church Style. Uh, Brian joins us as an adjunct professor um, from, um, I'm sorry, I'm a little Palm lost Beach, Atlantic Palm Beach Atlantic University. University. Yeah. Hey, uh, uh, Brian, uh, thanks for coming back to the show. Appreciate you being here. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Now, this is interesting because since the first time that we talked about this subject, I assumed that most of the early Christians were illiterate. Yeah, that that seems to be many uh, assumptions, and actually you're you're not alone in that. Uh, Actually, um, almost the consensus of the academic field right now is is that uh, many were illiterate back then. Mm -hmm. But that's not the case? Uh, I don't think so, and and, I, and I'm actually not alone in it, so, you know, that's actually one question I'm often asked, are, are you alone kind of seeing this? Um, actually, there's really an emerging scholarship right now that is seeing much more activity in the first century specifically than, than we had realized in the past, and so a lot of um, evidence is being brought to the forefront, a lot of works are engaging this. As a matter of fact, I have sitting on my desk a new work that came out again at and academic works just called literacy and a- ancient everyday life, and, um, and and they're just seeing a lot more going on, and a lot more activity uh, in the first century than uh, again uh, many have assumed up to this point. I see. So, Brian, c- could you describe for us the this, this scene? I mean, is it is it as we would imagine that there was you know a few excellent readers amongst the group, and there was very limited text, but people still wanted to gather around to hear the text. 
Well, I think in, in some places that certainly would have been the case, but, but I think what we're seeing is that there may have been more uh, text circulating, more access to them, and more people that could read them. And so in, in my book, I, I detail a number of things. You know, as I was getting deeper into my research, um, I thought I was going to have to cover the first three centuries just to have enough uh, information, but as I kept getting into it, I wound up just uh, having enough for one century and one type of evidence and that was literary, but there's also archaeological evidence. There's also epigraphic evidence. Um, I actually wrote an article on a, an 11-year-old boy who was in a poetry contest with 52 other contestants in the first century. So really? there was a lot more. Yeah, there was a lot more going on than, than I think. Uh, again, uh, just meets the eye. Wow. Okay. So when you know John was talking about being a what, like a fourth grader or a fifth grader, yeah. and, you know, getting excited because his paragraph was going to come up that he could read aloud. Um, you know, I can see John and his little, you know, fifth grade pals, you know, being in these, you know, long, you know, rows of desks and, you know, looking at the guy's head in front of you and that sort of thing. What did communal reading look like in the first century? And, and how do we know? Well, and, and John's experience wasn't too far from what other kids in the first century experienced. And so, um, and there'd be kids that would make fun of others reading. And so we've got a number of accounts that, um, you know, I, I note in the book of uh, kids doing that, preparing for their reading and um, some of the school exercises, even a teacher someday uh, or sometimes noting, oh, I got to listen to these students try to fumble through their reading for the day. So that took place in the first century as it does today. And so, I think many of those type of experiences uh, were there as well. So schools, uh, in the marketplace, you'd have some students trying to even, um, you know, memorize something or try to go through their school projects so quickly so that they could participate, uh, you know, in the in the uh, what I'm calling just the communal reading craze that was going on. So there really was a number of uh, games, a number of uh, contests that they could be involved in. And so there was a lot more going on, again, uh, than, than um, most assume. I see. So, Brian, as you, as you wrote and researched and then eventually published Communal Reading in the Time of Jesus, you've pretty much been, um, uh, and I don't think it's an exaggeration, lauded for your, uh, for your discovery. And I, and I would say it's a, you know, you've unearthed something which sort of goes against the narrative of most uh, ancient people being illiterate. Why did we hold on to that? Why did we not know more about p- people who were literate and reading on a regular basis? Yeah, so, you know, I actually love uh, one of the uh, endorsers of the book, Don Carson, said of the book, you know, I wonder why these things have not been brought to the light before. And and I think he really captures it by saying it's not that the evidence hasn't been around. It's been around, but there really hasn't just been someone that's devoted a sustained study to just really fleshing it all out. So you can imagine somebody looking something up and stumbling upon a verse here, a verse there. Um, And technology has really helped in one sense. While I was doing my Ph.D. work, uh, Harvard University just – digitalize their entire what's called the Loeb Classical Library. And so just more access to be able to engage these texts and see what's Mm -hmm. out there has really helped bring this evidence to the forefront. So it's not that all of a sudden these are all, everyone is a new discovery. It's we just haven't had the type of coverage of the evidence. And so what I do, even though I wasn't even able to cover it in my uh, in my book, even even the, in the appendix, I add another 60 ancient authors and another 140-something texts because, uh, again, and that was just literary, not even some of the other evidence. And so a number of scholars are mentioning, wow, we've got graffiti, we've got 
uh, you know, all these other, these board games, these news bulletins, these inscriptions, these writing implements. So there's just a lot that has not been factored into the equation. And so some of the myths that have been around, like there's little evidence in the first few centuries or very few would have been unless they were in an urban area, we're starting to see more and more that, no, even when people were on exile, like Ovid, uh, he, he talks about he's out, uh, he's in exile and there was um, uh, book burnings, and there were uh, authors being exiled by the emperors. And so even though he's in exile, he's still reading, he's still writing, he's still sending letters. Um, and he relates one story saying, it's, dancing in the dark is like writing when nobody can re- you, can, you can't read with anyone. So there was just this expectation that if you're writing something, you're going to be reading it with somebody. Interesting. Brian writes with this, communal reading in the time of Jesus is his work. We're talking about that. So... Brian, can you go back? I mean, is there a record of people gathering together and they're hearing, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the Gospels at some point being read aloud and and there are people gathered by the hundreds to to hear this? Absolutely. And so what you see, let's even just say in the New Testament, you you have this, not only the commands, so you have a 1 Timothy 4.13 text, give attention to the public reading of Scripture. You've got the book of Revelation opening up, blessed are those who to hear and the one that reads. You have Paul talking to, writing to Colossae and saying, hey, I want the letters I, write, I send to you, I want you to send it over to Laodicea, and I want their letter, you know, the letters I wrote them, yeah. you guys exchange. And so there was a lot of reading of letters, reading of correspondences. You have in, in Acts chapter 15, you know, the, the council will come up, they'll have a letter and say, okay, let's take this around and have it read at the churches. And then after they read it, they expound it, they talk about it, they discuss it. Uh, I mean, the book of Acts really is just a, is just a storehouse for all sorts of activities of people engaging texts of Paul in the marketplace or expounding the scriptures. Um, so you, you do, you have all of a sudden the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts 8 is reading from an Isaiah manuscript mm-hmm. in a chariot, and so all of a sudden Philip comes up and they read together. You've got uh, Jesus in Luke 4 opening up a scroll. So even in the New Testament you just see a number of things that now make a lot more sense uh, understanding a little bit more of the background of what was going on in the first century. Okay, with only a couple minutes left, I want to ask what this new understanding of communal reading means for how we understand um, the transmission of Christian texts. Yeah, so so it does factor into, they call them quality controls. So what would have been around to help us understand or to account for um, the transmission of the tradition. And so people think of eyewitnesses, that was one. But eyewitnesses weren't everywhere at all times. But what we're seeing here is communal reading was a great quality control because that was everywhere. Anywhere people had a text or, or people were gathered around the Word. And so you have accounts where everyone will be hearing these things week in, week out. Mm-hmm. And so if there was a variation or, or somebody comes up and hears something different, that somebody might stand up in the audience and say, whoa, 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 that's not what we've been hearing, or that's not what we've been understanding. Interesting. Yeah. And so you see that, just like to give a non-biblical example, if some, somebody reading Homer, if somebody made a mistake, somebody would stand up and they would know it. Or even today we think of if somebody's on social media and they post a, a favorite movie line or a sports figure, well, everybody knows whether that movie line is correct or whatever because of our culture, because of you know people being very familiar with movies. Well, just imagine that with books and literature, mm. um, that people understand what's going, you know, these things that are going on. Um, it, it's actually funny. There's even physicians in the first century that what they would prescribe when people would have a fever or were sleepless or had stomach aches was communal reading. Hmm. So you just have whether I mean when you start having doctors prescribe. So imagine today if doctors prescribing, y'all need to read. Uh, you know there might be an increase in in communal reading today. 
Um, but you, you just see a lot going on in the first century, and that provides, to answer your question, a quality control yeah. that helps us increase our understanding and say, wow, this is much more reliable than maybe we even, uh, some people uh, thought. I love it. And, and you need to read a book, not a screen. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Communal well, reading from a screen is just disappointing uh, for everyone. <laughs> Your battery runs low. Hey, Brian, it's a fascinating piece really of research is. of work. Really and so congratulations on that. We love the conversation. So thanks for being with us here today. Thank you again for having me. I appreciate it. Our pleasure. Brian Wright, communal reading in the time of Jesus. Be back in just a few minutes. Uh, we still got a, just a smidge left. So stick with us on the ride home. Every Tuesday night on Access TV, it's True Story Tuesdays. This is a big risk. It's totally unknown. Back-to-back shows starting with The Big Interview with Dan Rather at 8, 7 Central. I asked the question. Followed by Docs That Rock at 9, 8 Central. We were in the fast lane real quick. Featuring The Doors, The Grateful Dead's Bob Weir, The Doobie Brothers, and Carlos Santana. These guys are really out of their minds. True Story Tuesdays. Back-to-back shows starting at 8, 7 Central on Access TV. That's AXS TV. This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy and Hagerman. Upon your passing, you wouldn't want a judge to decide who raises your children or how your estate gets divided. It is important to review your estate planning documents to ensure they protect what matters most. At Abernathy and Hagerman, we will work with you to establish an estate plan that nominates a guardian for your minor children and that your assets are used for your family's benefit. Judge for yourself. For legal help that lasts a lifetime, visit a-h.law. Looking to save on Medicare Part D? Switching to Walgreens may help you save on your Medicare Part D prescription. Walgreens, trusted since 1901. Talk to the pharmacist to learn more. When you were about to get married, uh, did anybody offer wisdom and advice for you? For my marriage? No, for your wedding. For the actual wedding. For the actual wedding day. Oh. Well... One person gave me a great piece of advice, oh. which was um, put someone in charge of your wedding who's not you. Oh, that's so good. And this person who's told me that was saying that she would do it, which she did. Shane Ma, I love you forever for doing that for me. But it's it's the idea you cannot be running your own wedding. No, because it's it's too anxious. Way Plus, you're too not going to enjoy yourself, no. right? You should have a good wedding coordinator and someone who's going to do reception. Right, Mike. Uh, any wisdom? Uh, sit back, relax, take it all in. Know that it's not going to be a perfect day, mm-hmm. mm. but just embrace it. That's really good. It know that so it's fast. not going to be a perfect day. Yeah, 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 that's good. Yeah. It seems like today, especially because of social media and internet stuff and beautiful photography and beautiful flowers, that we have ratcheted up the wedding day even way more so oh, than yeah, it was definitely. a couple decades ago. Oh, thank ago. goodness. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's crazy. It, that like has to be everything right. ideal. Yeah. Somebody told me. Um, Make sure you smile often throughout the day because there's going to be a thousand photos taken. You want to look good. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> That's good. I like that. That was yeah. good advice. Okay. So um, uh, the, the Times published a series of, of readers' responses to the same question. Okay. What wisdom would you have on your wedding day? Someone said this. It's okay to not invite people. We stressed over the guest list for a long time, but by keeping it to close family and friends, we were able to spend quality time with all of mm. our guests. Looking back, I know that the day wasn't just for us. It was also to celebrate the love and support of those who helped us. I was lucky enough to dance with my grandfather at my wedding. It was the last time we were together as a family. He passed a few months after. 
it will remain one of my favorite memories mm, of the day. That's nice. So making some time. Uh, somebody is talking about their rings. That this is weird. Uh, that the the best man was holding the rings in a box, and I don't understand this. But apparently, the ring box had a spring, so that when you open the box up. The rings popped a little bit, and whenever the best man went to give the rings to the groom, the ring for the bride popped off, bounced on the deck, and then went into a lake. No! (laughs) That's so bad! So she said when it came time, people saw it, and she said to her husband under her breath, what now? And the husband said, just go with it. And they mimed putting the ring on her finger. And then when the wedding was over, they had to they go out into the lake. lake and found the ring for the reception. Very nice. Yeah. Just go with it. I think that's probably the best advice. Just yeah, go with that's it. that's good. Um, what else? Oh, how to wine and dine. They said that they – someone said they wish they had stayed in closer contact with their caterer. And they just left it to their caterer to think, okay, we're good to go. Because on the day of the wedding, things sh- the entree wasn't the agreed-to entree. Oh. And so – this All isn't of a sudden, chicken piccata. This no. is pork butt. <laughs> that's a that's a bad start to your wedding, right there. Yeah. So stay in touch with your caterer, I guess. Right. I don't know. There's plenty of advice how to get married, how to get married well. Don't argue over the music. That's another thing I can say. Oh yeah. My husband and I argued over the music. Someone told me have live music, which oh, is what we did. Yeah. Yeah, which makes a difference. That would have been good. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Kath, good to see you. Thank you. Happy to be here. Happy that you're back. Mike, you as well. Good to see you. Good to see you guys. Have a great we night. We had the zing in the show today. Yay! <laughs> the Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Word FM and Salem Communications. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.